He's played 161 times for South Africa, but at 37, he's by far the oldest member of the national men's hockey squad. And it's been quite a journey for goalkeeper Russi Peterser, a man who only got into hockey to meet girls and because of a bunch of rugby injuries. Fast forward nearly 20 years, and he's part of a South African squad that has had to fund its own way to the Tokyo Olympics. Something Peterson says he's got quite used to. Yeah, Dylan, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's not just now. You know, it's, it's been a, like, a long time. It's almost like we've got, can stand away, not, not like, but almost like we've almost got used to it, uh, which is not quite right. I mean, if we know only 12 countries can qualify for Olympic Games, and if we one of them, we're the only country that's not professional. You know, we're always going to have our back against the ropes. Uh, um, and, you know, it's not a World Cup uh, or Olympic qualifiers. You know, when we went to India, when Sassel told us, you know, we have to make the final World Series. You know, when you go there, you make the final World Cup Series, you meet the criteria, you come back and you see, you know, a ball has been sent to your house uh, that you have to sort out. That becomes quite tough. Um, and then you start thinking about, you know, how long can you carry on? Especially, I mean, a lot of our players are based in Europe. Um, to obviously improve their hockey because there's no professional setup in South Africa for these players. You know, and then when they have to fly back for local tournaments or fly back for training camps, you know, they've got to fork it out their own pockets. So, so after a while, you know, it, it becomes quite expensive. Um, then you, then, and I think that's probably the biggest problem in SA hockey is like players are retiring too early, and I think it's more financial thing than anything else. Uh, the boys that's here, I mean, it's, it's absolute. I mean, I said the other day, hockey is not a career; it's a lifestyle. Um, you know, the boys are passionate of what we're doing. So, yeah, I mean, we can only do as much as we can, but we know to, to perform at the top, we need we need the kind of support. Unfortunately, sport has gone professional. We need financial assistance. Uh, we've, had, um, we've had some great uh, support from, from guys like Mark Sharman and them with, with Match Kit, you know, starting their, their crowdfunding for us. I think, you know, you can, only, you can only get so much money in a crowdfunding. They've done a great, great job with that. Uh, but I, at least they started the conversation. Um, and I think corporates are actually realizing now, and a lot of even my personal mates never, never knew. We, they thought we were getting paid to play hockey. They never knew we were forking out to play hockey. So, so it just gets that conversation going. And I think there's so many good people in the hockey community. And I always said, you know, SA hockey is a sleeping giant. If you see how many hockey players there are in South Africa and at school level, our, our serious school or school hockey is starting to become, is we, we're definitely ahead of the game with other countries. It's just to get that, that, that top, top level right. So fortunately, it seems like we've raised funds to go to the Olympics. So nobody's going to pay to go to the Olympics. But it's things like this that we were sitting in posh today. It takes money to prepare. Um, and I think a lot of athletes, you know, you can't just rock up at the games, you're underprepared, and that costs money. So, so it's an ongoing thing. You know, Olympics is now one thing. Uh, you know, the next thing is World Cup. There's World Cup qualifiers and there's Commonwealth Games. You know, the boys want to go win a medal next year at Commonwealth Games, go do well at the World Cup. Um, so so there, there's a lot of money that's needed to, to keep this program properly going. So what needs to get right, Rassi, then, in terms of SA Hockey positioning itself as a sport and as a brand that, that corporates want to put money into? Because there's no doubt... You know, from a spectator point of view, there's value in that in terms of, the, of how the sport is run. But from a commercial point of view, what do you think is the, is the key in the hook to get corporates and, and brands to see SA Hockey as a, a, a viable vehicle for a sponsorship, for example? Yeah, I mean, it starts, it starts Dylan, from my, my personal opinion, you know, it starts with a deeper bone. You know, if you take SA Hockey, there's only three permanent employees, you know, in the SA Hockey office. If you take England Hockey, they've got 75 employees, you know. So, so you've only got so many, 
you know, dedicated human resources, day-to-day human resources. So, so we've got to look at that. And then, then of course, you know, the, the product itself, hockey is great, but we need to create more products. We need to see it more on TV. We need to get our local leagues shown on TV. We need to build these kind of euros. Um, and like I say, I'm, I'm going to go back to school sport. It's amazing to see, you know, if there's two big schools playing each other, you know, there's bigger crowds at, a, at the first team school boys or school girls hockey game than, than at the, our national ladies or national men's game. And it all comes down to communication. It all comes down to the product. Um, and I think that's where it has to start. So, I mean, we know for sponsors, you know, we, we have to give them their, their ROIs that they want and their visibility. Um, and, you know, if we can get that kind of investment right for the, for the sponsors and commercials, I'm sure hockey will just go to the next level. And, and I'm sure it will be in a short, short while where you see a lot of gold medals coming back to South Africa for hockey. You talked about hockey being a lifestyle and, and not necessarily a career. How exactly, at the age of 37, are you still playing hockey then, if that's the case? Uh, yeah, that's a good question, eh? Um, <laughs> but um, no, I've, been, I've, been, I've been very, very fortunate. You know, in my, in my hockey career, my first sponsor was, uh, or my sponsor's still today, was Tika Hockey. And then I started working for them as a youngster. And then uh, then eventually, you know, I've, uh, took over distribution rights in South Africa. So I've just been actually working on my passion. So, so I've been very, very fortunate. I didn't go into corporate where I've only got 15 leave days a year. So, so I've been trying to trying to balance life, trying to balance business and, and also hockey. So business is my passion. Hockey is also my passion. So you, you take the cell phone with and you take the, the, the laptop with and while the other acts are sleeping, you know, you, you're doing a bit of craft. Um, yeah, that's uh, just how it's been going. So, so I've been very, very fortunate. I, I know a couple of guys here, you know, they need to beg their bosses for a bit of leave and, you know, some of the acts will take unpaid leave. So it's, it's, it's not that easy always. Yeah, but I've, I've just been very, very lucky. Um, yeah, obviously in my career. Let's talk through TK Sports. I mean, you're the MD there here in South Africa. Um, give us a sense of who TK Sports is. Is it, is it a purely hockey sportswear brand or, or is, it, is, it, is it involved in other sports? Yeah, Dylan, originally, uh, I mean, the brand started in 1985. It's a German brand. Head offices in Mannheim, just, just below Frankfurt. So, you know, TK, everybody will know TK is, you know, uh, one of the biggest hockey brands in the world. TK is in 58 different countries. Um, and in 2010, uh, you know, our clothing department was also very, very strong. And in 2010, by luck, uh, we, 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 we kitted out one of the IPL teams, the Kings 11 Punjab. And then all of a sudden, we started going to other sporting codes. Domestically, in 2013, we started kitting out the Dolphins cricket team. Uh, they're still with us today. Uh, and then we started going to other, you know, rugby teams and university teams. So, so the clothing side just like built out. Um, for me, again, with, with as I'm quite proud personally. You know, we've just taken over the SA, SA hockey um, sponsorship. And a lot of people have also asked the same thing. It's like, are you putting money in there? But uh, I could definitely see the value. And we've already got our return on value on that. So, you know, just to see, just putting merchandise programs in place, putting replica programs in place. And then you actually realize how big the hockey community is. So, yes, yeah. So, so that's my baby TK, German brand. Uh, had it since 2009 in South Africa um, on our own tables. And, yeah, and just been building out from there. We're also quite proud to see this weekend Greekos Rugby is jogging out the Curry Cup for the first time with, with one of our TK products. So, yeah, so, so long may it last. Uh, and is your involvement with TK Sports as MD here in South Africa, is that your is that your full-time business interest? Do you have any other interests aside from, from that and, and obviously your, your hockey career? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a bit of an entrepreneur as well. I would say TK is my baby. That's my full time. But, you know, I've, I've dipped into uh, a few other things. You know, we also got the Trey Cricket Helmet brand, um, you know, and, and some other uh, some other things on the sideline. 
And then for my sins, I also dipped a bit into the restaurant industry a couple of years ago uh, with, with a brand called 86 Public in Johannesburg with a couple of mates that's uh, running a few restaurants for us. Yeah, but uh, like I say, the sport industry, that is something that I know is absolutely my passion. Um, and uh, I think that's where I'll probably stay for the rest of my life, to be honest. What about your involvement in the South African music scene? Uh, Rassi, my sources tell me that you've dipped your toe into that as well. Well, I wonder who those sources are. I've got a lot of mates in the music industry. I'm not the best singer. I can't play a music industry instrument, <laughs> but I'm sure after 27 brandies, I'll become a good dancer. So. <laughs> isn't, isn't anyone a good dancer after 27 brandies? <laughs> you uh, you built any relationships with any musicians in South Africa? And, and, and what do your musical tastes look like? Yeah, I'm quite, I'm quite diverse when it comes to music. So uh, I've got a couple of mates in the music industry. Uh, one of my big friends is Hiram Kupman. He's one of the top saxophone players in South Africa. He plays for a couple of groups like Yevos Fantastis and Jeremy Loops uh, and Spukhoff. He's That's the latest hot, I think, Afrikaans band at the moment in South Africa. So, yeah, it's always he always invites me to one or two festivals. You become friends with the guys. Yeah, I absolutely enjoy it. Uh, I like a jaw and uh, I enjoy music, so I would say my, my, my music genre at home is quite diverse, to be honest. Well, I would imagine it probably has to be if you're in a national hockey squad at the age of 37 and you're spending time with guys in their early and mid-20s, is it fair to say that musical taste is, uh, is pretty different? Well, it's quite interesting. The, the other day we had to go for a medical, Dylan, and, and, our, and our doctor, Gavin Shang, he had to send my results back to the lab and I had to do my tests again because they said they found our... I'm a 37-year-old trapped in a 23-year-old body, so maybe <laughs> <laughs> It must be a hell of a thing to, for you as, as, as obviously one of the goalkeepers in the squad. And um, if I look at some of the other, you know, the other keepers in the squad, too, Sia Nolachungu, for example, who's in his, his mid-20s. I mean, that's massive age gap. I mean, it's, it, it's obviously unusual for, for a national squad to be having a 37-year-old goalkeeper still around and still holding his own. Yeah, I think you know, as, as goalkeepers, we don't move too much. You know, we got we got some special movements, but uh, yeah, over the years, I mean, I've just been, in a way, looked after my body. Uh, like I said, I play play in a lot of fashion. I mean, these youngsters are are pushing the hell of me. I wouldn't tell them that, but um, you know, so they are keeping me on my toes. But yeah, I think the main thing is just to look after your body. Um, I think I'm. I think very, very fortunate as a goalkeeper. You know, I think the older you get, the more experience you obviously get. Your decision making becomes better. Um, so I think that that's been on the one side of me. I am quite happy to say at the Olympics I won't be the oldest goalkeeper, oldest player there. We got Vivaldi, uh, the Argentinian goalkeeper, that's 41, um, and then I think the Spanish goalkeeper Kiko Cortez is also 39. So, so I'm not going in there as the opa. My sources also tell me that for, for some time you were the fastest in the national squad over five metres, but that's no longer the case. No, 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 no. that is. That is uh, now, the one mistake they made. I did lose the record. I took the record in 2007 over five metres. Uh, <laughs> and in those days I was beating the top folks like Lloyd Norris Jones, all these sprinters. And then in 2011, we had another goalkeeper coming in, Jacques Leroux. So Jacques Leroux was probably a head taller than me. And so basically five... Five meters is basically one step for him. So he took the record away from me for six months. Until I had to go back home, I had to go work hard, and I worked out my tactics, and I took it back. So, so, so the record is still on my name since 2011. So, <laughs> yeah, wherever going that source, that's one mistake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Let's go back to the, the, the beginning, uh, Rusty, as we jump around a bit, yeah. And I, and I believe you had quite an interesting introduction to hockey. That you were a rugby player, and then you, at the age of 18, only really started in hockey. But quite an interesting start. Talk us through when you, how you came to play your first hockey game, how it all came about, and, and where you developed from there. Yeah, it's, it's actually been a crazy ride. I mean, my, my dad, you know, I grew up in, grew up in Rustenburg. I was born in the Free State. My dad played, he played provincial rugby for the Free State and Northern Free State back in the day. So I grew up next to rugby field. And then, um, and then we moved to, to Rustenburg at the age of four. So, so then there wasn't a lot of boys hockey going on. I mean, and as a youngster, like I think any South African youngster, the dream was to be able to become a Springbok one day um, or play for the Proteus cricket. So yeah, so, so rugby was my number one thing. So primary school, played Crown Week, and then then you, you then you base your high school. Who's what is the best rugby school, not the best academical school? So uh, went went to high school, and then um, yeah, played a lot of rugby, played a lot of cricket, uh, but I also enjoyed some other sports as well. Never touched a hockey stick. And then in uh, grade nine, uh, I started picking up injuries. In a tackle, I broke my elbow, my cheekbone, my jaw, so I was out for half the season. And then a matric, you know, that's your big year that you want to make a great week team. Um, and then I think it was the second trial game that I broke my ankle. I had a play for six screws of my ankle. So, so basically, my last years of school rugby, I didn't play. Um, and then after that, I had a couple of my mates, they were, they were some hockey players, and they said, well, listen, you're a cricket wicket keeper. You know, we need a goalkeeper, you know, at, uh, you know, at Varsity, uh, when I was well, my first year of Varsity in Pretoria. So, it's, well, perfect place to meet chicks is obviously at the at the hockey club. So, it's nice. a no-brainer. So, I put on the pads and, uh, yeah, and I was just lucky. I think, I don't know even what team I was trading. It was probably the 16, wherever there was a couple of beers going around. And then at the time, uh, John Wright was there, the, the director of hockey. You know, obviously, our second famous hockey umpire. And uh, there was also a Belgium coach at the time at the club. He walked down the stairs and he pulled me off the field. He said, what the hell are you doing? And I said, well, you know, I'm just training. I know, is there anything fees that I need to pay? I'm not uh, sure what's going on. He said, no, no, you should not be training here. On Thursday night, this is 6 o'clock. That is when you need to come and train and you meet me at the field. So I rocked the there at 6 o'clock and I was training with the first team, um, you know, varsity team at that stage. And I was like, well, to be honest, I don't even know the rules yet. So, so I was making like base mistakes. So he taught me all the rules. Yeah, we just started trading in the mornings and he just took me through my paces. Um, and then, you know, I was just fortunate a couple of years later, I obviously just made a couple of saves and got into the SA University team. Uh, Paul Revington was then the SA coach at that stage uh, and he pulled me into my first training camp in 2005 and I'll never forget, he told me, he's like, listen, you're coming to training camp but we're basically going to use you just as a dartboard for the next two years. So you need to make a decision. So, so you're probably out of the bush. You got something, but are you okay to train for two years with the national team when you're not going to play a test match? And that was cool for me. I mean, I've missed so much class and I had a good excuse to miss class. Um, and I just traveled the SA team. And then in 2007, when, when Clark took over, then I, then I played my first game for South Africa. So that was the, the story in short. It's a hell of a story. I mean, is there any, is there any truth in, in, in the suggestion that you have to be a little bit or quite a bit moggy and mad in the head to be a goalkeeper in hockey? Absolutely. I, I think I'm quite normal, but according to my mates, no, obviously there's, there's one or two screws loose. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just think of myself, I mean, my daughter, she's, well, this daughter's now 11 years old, and she was, she started playing hockey, and I was just thinking about it, you know, if she had to put on the pads, I mean, I will, I will be an absolute wreck, because I think it, it is actually crazy what we are doing. But uh, you know, unfortunately, I'm still going, I've got a couple of skewed toes and a couple of skewed fingers, but it's, it's all okay. Um, so unfortunately, the role I picked, but I'm enjoying it. 
I'd imagine if you're throwing yourself at uh, at short corners and penalty flicks and all sorts of things, that little hard ball coming at you, you've got to be a bit a bit moggy. Listen, I mean, like I said, this is the one reason I went to TK. Your equipment needs to be spot on. So, so I, I try to pad. I mean, as a youngster, you're a bit of a cowboy. You know where your elbow goes, and I see I'll see us also not trading. And you got to go through that phase until you realise this is the padding starts becoming important. So, but there's always a little gap that it catches. But uh, yeah, I think it's just part of the game. So, counterflams and, and, and a lot of ice bags. That is part of the game. Now, Rusty, what about some of your interests away from the the hockey field or the astroturf? Um... You obviously have your business, uh, you have TK Sports, you know, you have your hockey career. I know you're a father um, twice over. Um, is there any time to get up to anything away from all of that? Uh, and, and, and what are your, some of your personal interests or hobbies? Yeah, I mean, I'd, yes, I've, I must be honest, COVID forced me to play a bit of golf. Um, and I started, you know, like really falling in love with the game. So I've been playing a lot of golf these days. I'm terrible, though. But, uh, yeah, so, so definitely I would say, you know, if there's, there's an open Sunday or open Saturday, I'd definitely love to play a round of golf. Um, I quite didn't say, I mean, I quite love socializing, like, uh, you know, family time for me. I like entertaining at home and, you know, invite some mates over and try to watch a bit of rugby at home. Um, so, yeah, so, but I must be honest, I think after I was just thinking now, you know, I'm, I'm retiring now at, 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 in Tokyo. It'll be my last international hockey game. And I actually just asked me, it's like, you know, do you feel you can still play? And I said, yeah, physically I feel still okay. But, you know, I see now my daughters, they're growing up and, and they're starting to play a lot of sport. And, and, and I would like to spend a bit more time on the weekends, you know, uh, dipping into their sport and their, and their, and their enjoyment. So, so, yeah, so I absolutely love family time. Like I said, I'm terrible in golf, but I enjoy it. Um, yeah, I know those are the weekends these days. You mentioned your musical taste quite diverse. What about... Um... What about TV or video? Do you come across a piece of video content or, or sports content during lockdown that perhaps caught your eye that uh, that was pretty memorable? Yeah, you know what? I, I don't really watch a lot of TV. I mean, I, I can't wait until Thursdays these days until the PGA starts Thursday nights and try to fall asleep in front of the TV watching a bit of that. But, um, yeah, I mean, obviously obviously the classic was, was, was that crazy Tiger guy over Netflix. I mean, uh, Yeah, Tiger King, yeah. Joe, 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 the Tiger King. I quite, I quite enjoyed that because I thought, you know, goalkeepers are crazy, but there are crazier people than us out there. Um, so, yeah, but uh, I think, I think, I mean, it was amazing to watch just, you know, that whole program of the Springboks uh, with Rusty Erasmus and them, you know, how they put everything together. And it was just amazing to see because obviously it hit home because obviously this is exactly what we're busy with. Um, and it's always been interesting for me as well. Out of that story, I actually realized you know, how, how diverse our country is and how many superpowers every culture has got uh, in one nation. Um, and I remember, you know, everybody was asking me a couple of years ago, we had Mark Hopkins as our, as our national coach, and he was from England. Uh, and, I mean, Hopper, Hopper's obviously knew the game very, very well, but I think the one thing that he did battle with was that, you know, it's like you have to be slightly different to other people and understand the deeper, deeper, deeper things of people to get the best out of them. Um, and I think that was definitely a life lesson and something I really enjoyed over, over lockdown watching that. Now, Rossi, lastly, there's no doubt that you guys go to the Olympics as massive underdogs, um, but what would represent a good or great result going to Tokyo for the national men's hockey team? 
Yeah, I mean, we we obviously going there as a as a low strength team. Uh, we know that. Uh, we we going there as a very hungry team. We want to go prove something, uh, especially for myself. You know, I've still got some feel like I've got some unfinished business from from previous Olympics. That's why I'm carrying on. Uh, we we look we're in a tough pool. Everybody knows we're in the pool of death. You know, we got we got Belgium, we got Holland, we got Germany, we got Great Britain, and then we got Canada. I mean, we got to make sure. We just want to make sure that you know we need two good results uh, to get ourselves into the quarterfinals. So our only focus is now to make sure we get out of the pool stages uh, and get you know we there, there's one or two teams that we are targeting. Uh, get through the pool stages and we get into the quarterfinals. You know, international sport at that level is funny. Anything can happen on the day. It doesn't matter who you play. So yeah, like I say, we're just preparing as as well as we can at the moment. We're going there with a, with a very good plan. Um, Get through the pool stages and hopefully the quarterfinals we can upset one or two teams and you know and hopefully we see our, see ourselves in the medals. That would be the dream. So he fancies a bit of Tiger King, but he's not much of a golfer, and he needs 27 brandies to hit the dance floor. At least he admits he's got a loose screw or two. No surprise there. I guess you have to as a top-level goalkeeper.